Hi everyone, Emma Kittle here with Hidden Pearls Podcast. So this episode that we're about to share is an interview that Bruce and I did with a good friend uh, named Chris Ward on his podcast called Like a Bigfoot. Um, Chris is, we met him when I was in high school. Um, I was a senior and George was a freshman and Chris Bruce was coaching football at West High School, which is where I went in Iowa City, where George and I both went. And then, um, well, George for a couple of years and then he transferred. But um, Chris was George's ninth grade coach, one of them. And so um, Chris has since moved to Colorado and you're gonna hear all about this in the show, but um, does an adventure-based podcast. So he interviews different people who do extreme sports, who adventure. Um, it's a really great podcast, so you should definitely check out some extra episodes. But um, Chris is, bless you, Chris. Um, Chris was one of the reasons that our podcast really got up and going because he was such an ally, such a resource, and gave us all the tools that we needed to um, get on iTunes, get on Apple, like just get on Spotify. He, he just was such a guide in the night for us when we had no idea what we were doing, but we just knew we really wanted to start a podcast. So Chris, thank you so, so much. Um, this episode, uh, we talk about Thunderbird Performance. And so Thunderbird Performance is our business where we have MAP, we have, or so Mindful Awareness and Performance. Um, Bruce does life coaching. I do yogic mentorship and coaching. I also do like private individual sessions. Um, we have yogic numerology on there. We also have, um, what is it? Uh, oh, we have a bunch of free classes. Well, bunch as in, <laughs> I have some film, but they're not all edited, but there's a few classes up there. Um, and then you can also find Hidden Pearls podcasts up there too. But our website is thunderbirdperformance.com if you ever want to check that out. Um, but yeah, so this episode is just about what we wanted to build and create and kind of the legacy that we want to continue to leave or that we want to eventually leave and that we want to build right now because we believe so wholeheartedly in everything that we do. And this is actually what launched and what created the framework for Hidden Pearls podcast to be what it is now. And so um, Thunderbird Performance is really the backbone and the structure of all of that. And so um, you guys can check it out more on our pod or more on our website, but then also listen to this podcast because I mean, I feel like we could have talked to Chris for like hours. <laughs> it was so great. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to share this. Um, Chris, once again, thank you so, so much. Um, we feel so lucky that you were so involved in getting Hidden Pearls podcast started because you really helped it to uh, become what it is today. So thank you guys for watching. Thank you for listening. Um, if you go and follow Chris, make sure that you leave him a, leave him a review. You can subscribe to all that he does. Um, but yeah, it's really great. It's a really cool show. And lots of lessons always involved. So thank you guys for watching. And this is Thunderbird Performance on Like a Bigfoot podcast. All right, guys. Uh, today I am joined with some amazing people. Um, I have the podcast queen herself, Emma Kittle, who has started, oh. yeah, you guys started the Hidden Pearls podcast and it's like, I have to say, I've listened to a whole bunch of podcasts. I've never seen anyone go from first time host to like sounding like a professional in like 10 seconds before. 
Thank you. Well, dude, it's literally all because you helped us through the weeds. So thank you so much. So well done. And then what we are kind of, you know, conspiracy theory is we think it's a Zoom background, but they're sitting on the beach right now. We have uh, Bruce Kittle, who is, I mean, I was going to say like the Obi, I didn't know if calling you Obi-Wan or Yoda was like insulting, but you're like really wise is what I was going for there. Yeah, I'm um, really old, so it's all good. No, I was I wasn't making a statement about age. <laughs> hey, I I fully embraced it. Hell, it's better than the alternative. Uh, you called age, you called age. Yeah, so it's all, I got no issues, man. Sixty-one, yeah. proud of it. It's all good. And then we have uh, Jack Becca here, who um, they Bruce and Jack just went got done uh, scuba diving, looking for whale sharks, and and yeah, you were about to mention the palio though, man. I want to hear about that. Let me do an intro. So Jack is George's agent. Okay. So that's our long term. And then. Yeah, I've been representing guys from Iowa since like Tim Dwight and Damien Robinson and a lot of guys in between. Right. Everyone's favorite, you know, son of Iowa. And uh, now might be George now. But anyway, um, yeah. So, you know, I work hard, but I one month out of the year, I try to get some traveling done and, um, look for great things to do like scuba dive he here. says one month out of the year but he looks like that's bull i'm calling like that i'm calling bull right now literally no, whenever no. i text back i'm like yo where are you living in alaska except for one month of the year like, you are right. full okay. of it my man pretty rough You're all right so maybe a month and a day i don't know <laughs> maybe like a quarter of the year <laughs> jack how you doing oh good i just got i just swam in the ocean i'm, I'm good I'm just come back yeah. in but yeah okay oh i'm just eating dates on the beach in turkey what's good i mean anything no, no, I'm good. Thanks. Like, Turkey's yeah. a work call. Yeah, you know, I have an office over there. So, but anyway, <laughs> that counts, man. Palio, so, the Palio is about a 500 year old horse race that's based in the square in Siena, uh, Italy, right? And if, ever, if you've ever been to Siena, um, you know that it's got one of the most pristine, intact squares, which isn't square, it's like oval and on a 45 degree angle, right? So, inside, um, Siena, there are 17 neighborhoods also called Contratas. And so for years, every neighborhood, and each neighborhood has a flag, like one's the wolf or the owl or the snake or, you know, the bird or something like that. So there's like 17, and they're very competitive all within side. And so, I don't know, 500 years ago, they started a horse race inside the square, and it's just grown year after year after year, decade, century to where it is so competitive. Um, the whole town comes into the square inside and they bring in dirt just for this race. And the track goes down a hill, up a hill, into like a right angle turn. It's crazy, right? And the rules are only the horse has to finish, the jockey doesn't have to finish, right? And they can like punch each other and like hit each other, each other, thing. punch each other. There are no rules. <laughs> Right? No rules whatsoever, right? So I wanted to go do this. I got some friends. We rented, I traded my house for a house in Tuscany, which was pretty epic. Got this 500-year-old farmhouse. And then when the polio went on, rented an apartment, this old, you know, Venetian apartment uh, up above the streets. And got to see the, there's like two days of parade. And two nights before, like all the horses are kept in a secret place. And then they bring them into the little neighborhood. Each, 
each contrada and they guard them, they feed them, they, they bring them, they actually, the day before the race, they bring them into church and bless them, you know, by the priests, right? So there's so many things going on, but the, one of the coolest things, um, the pregame, you know, their tailgate party, uh, they'll have, if a contrada has like three, 400 people in it, there's tables about five tables, like 50 yards long with just wine and pasta and singing you know, from six at night till like, you know, six in the morning, the night before. That's right? amazing, man. I mean, they don't really allow tourists in, but through a friend of a friend, the guy we rent the house from, we got in. And this event, there's such a buildup and they only go around three times. So the race lasts like three minutes and there's jockeying for position and they literally just lift or pull a rope down and the horses go in different directions. Guys are elbowing and fighting. <laughs> and the place is in chaos everybody's representing a neighborhood and then once the winner crosses the finish line the whole neighborhood just converges onto the track piles over each other carries the jockey off no one knows what happens to the horse but um and then they they are the king of the whole town for the whole year and the energy the excitement the pageantry the history like each little town within siena has its own museum right wow. the food the wine it's one of the greatest things I ever did in my whole life. It That's was amazing. On my man. bucket list, and I'd love to go back again. But I recommend if anybody could ever do it, put it high on their list. Yeah. Did you ever see there's this show on Netflix about these like wild sports? I think it was called like Home Game. Yeah. Did you see this? Yeah. Did you awesome. see the Italian like rugby MMA thing? Yeah. Anything goes. <laughs> that was wild, man. Yeah. And then there's the. Uh, was like the Mongolian, uh, almost like a like a, a polo match where they had to throw like a pig into a, a barrel. Yeah. Yeah, or the sheep. Yeah, they're kind of running run around the sheep and they're like trying to steal from each other. That's oh, crazy. Jack, you, you like, sound like a. I can't wait to travel with you more. It's gonna be. <laughs> so, Jack, when you described that about lining up and elbowing. It sounded like a bunch of agents at the NFL Combine. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> kind of the same deal. More like at a, more like at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. Right. For sure. So, Jack, what like what you know what won George over about you? Is it because you're taking his dad scuba diving on this beautiful Zoom background esque beach? Well, you know he's. You bring a guy like Bruce. Scuba diving because he's got all the details. Jack, scoot up a little bit. Scoot up a little bit. See, okay. The, Thanks, Emma, because I'm like Midwestern and I'm like, oh, should I say anything? Anyway, <laughs> lean in, big dog. Let's go. Repeat the question again. I was just saying, what, what won you over? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. With JB Sports, uh, hard sales pitch, man. Nobody else wanted them, probably. Oh, <laughs> you guys would know better than me, but. He only had two other interests. Really? Yeah. I think it was a, a big part of it was Henry, though. So George's cousin, Henry, who was in the NFL for a few years, had gone with Jack, just super solid, had a great experience with him. And Jack just was so easy to talk to. You just felt so I, I, normal. Yeah, I think I just came in and told him how it is and didn't tell him he was going to be a first, second, third round pick and say, this is most likely what's going on. We got a little, you know, we got a little, um, you know, we got to get over the injuries, you know, the any images you created while you were in your, you know, sophomore years, freshman year, like these are challenges and, you know, just getting prepared. It was, George likes 
like direct and simple, right? Yeah. And so that's usually how I present. I don't know if you guys remember Pat Anger. Uh, I've interviewed him on this one and he kicked my ass in high school. Sorry. He's a gem. He kicked everybody's ass in high school <laughs> in, in college. So I've heard, you know, the legend of Pat, right? You know, punch a teammate out in practice because they kept making him run line drills over and over again, right? And um, so, you know, I have all my paraphernalia or my propaganda rather that I'm bringing in for the meeting, you know, the charts and, you know, my past negotiations. So I, I can't remember who it was. Somebody was, I think it was Tony Miliaki or somebody was telling me about Pat. But you know what? Pat likes it really simple. Don't get long-winded with him. You'll lose him. And so I came in. I met him at the uh, the basement of um, the Sheraton there um, downstairs. We sat across from each other. I looked him in the eye. I said, I, you know, this is all a bunch of, you know, all this paperwork's a bunch of bullshit here. I'm just going to look you in the eye and go, hey, man, I'm going to work my ass off for you. You know, I'm going to do everything possible. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to be honest. Good news. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And... Um, you know, talk to the players I've represented here. If you think I'm a good fit, great. I'll come out and meet your parents or whoever's important to you. That's awesome, man. That's Hold awesome. On, Literally, it was a three-minute presentation. First time I ever met him. He goes, that's it? I go, yeah, that's it. I go, well, what do you want me to do? Like, sit here and, you know, do a song and dance? What do you want from me? <laughs> I, I did ask me some questions. And he asked me, like, two or three questions. And shortest recruiting pitch I ever had in my whole life was like literally the whole meeting was probably 12 minutes that's me 20 minutes later and go you know I like your style I'm gonna go with you <laughs> that's so amazing um, <laughs> um yeah well Bruce and Emma I wanted to have you guys on today too I wanted to talk about Thunderbird performance specifically like I'm really into just what makes an athlete have a solid mindset and obviously that is something you guys have studied, you focused on, you've applied as collegiate athletes yourself. Um, so yeah, like, can I hear a little bit about the, just the beginning of Thunderbird performance? You want me to do it or you want it, Bruce? Oh, girls, your brain trust. I'm gonna check out, guys. It was right. nice, yeah, it was super nice to meet you, man. Cameo, cameo. Awesome. You'll be, you'll Big be love, Jack. All right. All right, next time I'm there, you gotta be there, okay? All right, we're on here. Let me plug back in so it'll be a little. Uh... What a treat. What a treat. See, Bruce, this is why, because I was talking to Bruce before, like an hour ago. He's like, do you have an outline? I'm like, I do. But sometimes you just got to throw the outline to the side. and. <laughs> well, it's funny. And we'll, we, I'm jumping ahead to talking about Hidden Pearls. But uh, so as the kind of yogi creative side of it, um, like go with the wind and whatever. Uh, and Bruce is very lawyer and dictating and kind of, so our interview styles are like insanely different. And so like our first show, we're kind of going and like, I'll just start spitballing kind of like we're doing right now. And he's like, he's like, we're like, I'm on the interview. Like, I'm on the outline. And it was like, it was this whole thing where I'd like sit down and talk about like, is this how it's going to be? And I was like, yeah, I think so. Like I, I don't do great with sticking to it. But, well, it's um, funny now that you say that because I can totally hear that in your guys' podcast. A little bit which is good that's a good like total completing each other's strengths and weaknesses you know i'm just yeah. loving on bruce right now i love i love beach bruce so much I, like, I, just look at can him. you describe your dad right now 
he's just so happy. Like Bruce is so him, like just the joy that BK has right now, like being on the water, there's nobody around. He's got his shirt off. His favorite thing to do is scuba because he's underwater. He loves like the water, but there's also no other people down there. And he's great. He took a yoga mat with him. He carried it on the plane. <laughs> like, look at him. He's got his shades and a Corona in hand. He does. And an, like you have a great beard right now. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you, you see the seawall right there? Right in front of that, six feet down, there's like a two-foot-wide lower seawall. I had my yoga mat on that. Watch the sun come up and did my hour-long routine this morning on that two-hour chunk. Two-foot-wide chunk. It was great. It was that beautiful. The sun was up. It was amazing. Oh, that sounds amazing, man. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. So, roads. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well, can I hear a little bit about Thunderbird Performance? Uh like yes. I said, I re- I've read through your website, you know, and I read through it again today and just, I really like the lessons you guys are passing on to, to everybody. Thank you. Um, so Thunderbird Performance, uh, the whole idea started because, so I moved to Nashville because I do yoga and mobility and I work with NFL athletes primarily, well, primarily NFL athletes, but like other athletes and um, I moved there to work with George and then the other guys he trains with and so, or I moved here. And so... Um, then COVID hit and we all were living together at the time. And so the idea of any of us kind of branching out and like doing anything with anybody else was really, really scary because Jan and Bruce live with us and they are both in their sixties. And so just the unknown of it and everything, we were like locked down, like quit all, like quit all other things and just like focus on protecting the tribe. And that was our most important thing. And so, you know, and that's obviously very important, but as uh very active, stimulated people, um, you know, all immediately the wheels started turning, like, what are we going to do? And so for me, I've always wanted to um, be able to teach and do things mobily because I just don't settle down very well. Um, I like to travel. I like to get up and go. And thankfully, you know, like with who my family is and the I'm not tied down. And so I get, to, I get to do that and live that lifestyle. And so it's been a really fun kind of exercise, like mental exercise in how to make that happen. And so um, I probably spent like the first four months, maybe not quite four, but first few months of quarantine, like literally just hunched over my computer, like designing a website, building it out. And it took like so many different forms. Um, but I think that whole creative process really helped us to figure out the message. Um, and what I kept coming back to was like, you know, I have the yoga and I have the kind of spiritual side that are really important to me, but it's like, I just, I felt like there was this huge component missing because what's like, what was differentiating me between like aloe, aloe moves, right? So aloe moves is like a, or Lululemon, like they all have these online platforms now. And it's like, well, why would somebody not go with me? And like, how do I price this and all these things? And it was just like, it was really bumming me out because I was like, I know I have something really special to offer, but like I can't convince someone to spend more money on me when they could get a way better product on something else. And so then um, Bruce and I were kind of toying around with like, okay, so he was kind of helping me with the development part of it. And then that's when um, we were talking about Bruce doing some life coaching and stuff. And then how does that, you know, and then, mid quarantine, right? So the other person, um, so Robert Tunyon plays for the Packers and him and George are homies. Um, and Rob has lived with us for the past two years. And so Rob, um, and George started going through this kind of mental coaching practice. And like, when we talk about mental prep and everything with George, he's already 
like George's, George and I have both just been kind of like raised into that. Like we always did visualization. We always breathe. Like I have this vivid memory of Bruce setting up a tent on our yard and sitting in the, like having us all sit in there and just breathe and like literally shut out all other distractions, like just kind of wall us in and like taught us how to be still. And I think, you know, learning that from such a young age and having parents who like the majority of things that Bruce gives me are like spirituality books or like daily affirmations or things or like things that I can use concretely to train my mind. And so what we wanted to figure out was like, okay, so we have all these things that are obviously working for George, you know, and he's not only playing well, but like mentally he's thriving and he's just himself. So like, how do we refine this and use it for other people? So then that's where BK came in and he actually went through and completely has constructed his own curriculum called MAP. So um, yeah, so I'll let Bruce talk about MAP, but it was this kind of like extra component that I feel has completely transformed what Thunderbird performance is because it's not so much just about like healing a physical ailment, you know, like with yoga or like obviously I think yoga is very mental and spiritual and emotional and all the other things, but like sometimes you need that bridge between spirituality and football. And having BK, I, I wish you guys could see him. I think, Chris, this should be, you should take a picture of Bruce right now because this should be the cover of the podcast. Yeah, hold on. Um, <laughs> but like having that gap and as Bruce as a coach and as somebody, you know, who did like all the letters and everything with George, um, he spoke the language. And then all of a sudden it was like spirituality wasn't taboo or meditating wasn't taboo because BK is like this big badass bear of a person and he's sitting there like repeating matrix quotes and like talking about bruce lee and talking about buddha and all of a sudden it's like okay this really hits you know and and so yeah so he kind of created this own curriculum and then that's that's kind of the the mixture that we're in right now yeah i mean that's what really fascinates me is the combination of the physical and the mental because it's so much of both like any sort of athletic thing you have to have both those components dialed in i feel like you're just like leaving so much on the table if you don't think about that because as an athlete you're not just like running routes and you're not just catching things it's like what happens if you mess up on a play? Like, how do you mentally reset? How do you get back into the game? How do you find the joy in it? How do you like fall in love with the grind? And that's not like, that doesn't just happen. And what we always say to our athletes and like even on our podcast now is, you know, people want when like when shit hits the fan, right? I don't know if we can swear on your podcast. Sorry, if we can't. You can um, say shit <laughs> for sure. When shit hits the fan, like if you don't or like you can't just expect to be like okay like we in the zone like i'm omen out like everything's groovy like i can just breathe through that like that's when you're like everything goes out the window and if you don't have a practice in place like you're screwed and so that's what we always try to tell people like so when you're going to step on the field right and dude my favorite is so george has his and we'll talk bruce will talk more about this but uh we always talk about activation right or like activating and stepping into your alter egos and so for george he has has the Joker tattoo and then he has the Master Chief tattoo and they both mean different energies to him. But like, okay, so we all remember the Saints game last year, right? Right before he goes out and literally drags three guys, right? We get that play, third down, end up winning, going all the way to the Super Bowl. It's like, it gives me chills just to talk about still. George is standing on the sideline. He does our four count breath. You can see him. He goes in, two, three, 
four, out, two, three, four. Slaps is, slaps is activation, steps on the field, and just balls out. And it's like, it's this whole, like, crazy, like, sciencey. It's just, it's so cool because it's like the mental side checks his emotions, and then it checks his physical side, and then it just flows. And it's like, it's that whole be like water, Bruce Lee thing, you know? You just step in and you go. That's so cool. I, I definitely wanted to ask you guys about alter ego. I wrote that down here. Um, that play, I was upstairs with the kids <clears throat> and we were watching the game and my wife just goes, George just made a big play. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'll be down in a second. She's like, no, 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 no. You need to see the replay of this. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I went down. I'm like, oh, he just played, made the play of the year. Or you didn't say that. <laughs> I should have been the play of the year. Did you see what they gave the award to anyway? I did like the little, uh, it was such a bummer and no shame to the, like no hate to the dolphin players who won it because that's dope. But it was like a couple <laughs> kickers who just like tossed it across. And I was like, it was a fake one in the game. That didn't it was a fake. What? Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. a Bigfoot play of the year from 2019. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> We'll tell him. I will tell him that. <laughs> um, yeah, Bruce, I want to hear about alter ego. Is this something that you did? Is it for both of you guys as collegiate athletes? Is this something that you did intentionally when you were playing? Or is this something that you've kind of developed recently? Uh, no, it wasn't. Um, I did not do that. So, you know, my earliest days, like as a player, I really got exposed to it. I mean, I kind of read about stuff, but I wasn't really serious about it. But playing at Iowa, so Coach Fry was really big in visualization. And so uh, that was really where it all – he forced it. So every pregame, after we'd warm up, we'd come back in the locker room. And this is, remember, like his first couple of years that we were winning and they had 20 losing seasons and all this stuff, right? And there's a lot about just, you know, and remember, everybody puts their pants on one leg at a time. They're all 18 to 21 years old, just like you. You know, there's no difference in all that kind of stuff. Trying to normalize all that. But then he would come in and then he'd turn off all the lights and walk in pitch black. And he'd do like a 15-minute guided meditation. Or a scoot forward. Oh, sorry. He'd do like a 15-minute guided meditation and just, you know, let's see yourself playing, you know, visualize the, whatever it is that you do and just kind of walk you through all this success, blah, blah, blah. And then the last five minutes would be, I will win, I will win, I will win. You know, just like, and I think, you know, in the beginning, some of the guys thought it was really hokey. Of course, I, I pretty well bought in right away because I like all that shit. But, um, so that's where they were. And then I just saw the power of it because it was like, you know, we were, I think, improving. You know, we, had, we were getting good players, we had good coaches. And so you could feel we were getting better. But the mindset thing, he really was able to kind of tweak and change with that and got people like, hey, why not us? You know, like, why Michigan? Why, Wisconsin? why is anybody – Hey, we're working harder than anybody else. Why don't we? Win? And so then it finally got to that point where he kind of flipped the switch. So that's really where I saw the power of visualization. I really felt it in my own play. I was playing offensive line, and so it was the same stuff. You know, your first set, <clears throat> aiming point, hand placement, you know, all that kind of stuff. And just seeing it in the game, looking, you know, visualizing stunts, pickups, all that kind of stuff, and just how it just made the game slow down. You could just kind of get into that flow zone and kind of go with it. So that was my first thing. And so – uh, you know, Emma told the story about, so she was kind of tweaking because we're in COVID, it's shut down. And so she's just like brainstorming 24 seven and like, I don't know, I thought she's going to have an anxiety attack because she could like, so Emma and I, so we're different, but we're kind of the same in the way, like, like my dad's an engineer, you know, and his world is like online and just linear, you know, it's like, you know, I think Emma and I see the world like, 
like our solar system, you know, like here's an idea and it's spinning and it's spinning around another idea. And both of those are spinning around another idea, you know, like everything is interconnected and it's like, so, which is great because, you know, having visionary kind of ideas like that is really good, but it's like your whiteboard, all of a sudden you need a 10 by 10 whiteboard and it's just massive and there's so much shit there. And then it's like scaling it down to get it like, okay, what's the real business concept here? What, what do we have that we can really do? And how do we, you know, make this really work? And so, so that's where we came up with, you know, Andy did the sort of movement kind of stuff and all of that. And then as we were working on that, so that might be, so then it was just evolving. So the role with George, um, so those guys were doing it and then really intentional with George as he was getting older and then at Iowa, you know, the letters and all that kind of stuff I was doing. And then, and there was always stuff about visualization and breath work and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, honestly, you know, I got to go back to Emma because what year did you pass your yoga certification? It's like, I want to say like 2006, 2015. I was going to say 14 or 15, but yeah, 14 anyway, or 15. So Emmy, and so like, I always kind of done some meditation and all that kind of stuff and I screwed around with the other, but we really hadn't gotten into it. And then she did hers. And so of course she made us come to her first class and like, dude, I was down because it was hot yoga and it's like a sweat and, you know, it's just, uh, Chris, have you ever been to hot house yoga? And I was, uh, I actually, I was wondering if that's where you got Spiritual it. Spiritual experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, Shout no, out to Maureen and the, all the ladies and guys there. Love Maureen. I would leave there and then go to class. And I don't remember if I showered. So I might have been a smelly guy in class. I don't remember. But I remember I would just be sitting in class so zenned out. And I was like, is this because I'm just incredibly dehydrated right now? Or is it because I'm like in tune with the world? <laughs> well, the, you know, the great thing is it doesn't matter. Yeah. Hey. Doesn't matter because, because that's the point is that uh, the fatigue and it calms everything. And so when you're doing the meditative work with the movement of the body and the fatigue is involved, you can avoid the fatigue, you can avoid the challenges through the breath and the mind carries you. And then in the end, that's where you find it. So, but so anyway, so then Emmy was kind of talking about that. And so, and then over the years with George, and then you know, kind of got recommended that maybe I'd work with a couple of guys that you know that he would know. And so then I started thinking. Well, I need to get a little bit more you know, formal about it. So then I'm, I'm just finishing my certification for life coaching just to kind of have a – because the other thing, Chris, I'll say is I was motivated too by working with players. So last year I was signed up to take my agent certification just to – I've always read the collective bargaining agreement as a lawyer and all that kind of stuff. But thinking about – because I see players come in and, you know, and they play four, five, six years and they don't have supports. They don't know how to, you know, deal with their money and all that kind of stuff. And then they leave and they, they you know, they back where they were before they got into the league. So part of it is, I, you know, I would like to think I can contribute not only to helping players play better, but just, you know, make sound decisions. You know, so because no matter how good you are in the field, if the rest of your life is chaos, right, you can't be successful. So we try to look at the entire athlete and kind of picture all that. And then on our stuff, so with COVID, honestly, when I really got serious about it, I kind of wrote out this program. I mean, <clears throat> I will say uh, Todd Herman's the guy who wrote the alter ego effect and really formalized this notion about having alter egos in all kinds of life settings. And uh, did a great job. The book is fantastic. So I've, you know, and then I've done his online stuff with him and, you know, still on the mailing list, all that. So I'd certainly give a lot of credit to Todd. I've kind of um, adapted it. So, you know, when we, when Em and I kind of got this thing rolling last, I don't know, April, I don't know, whatever it was and incorporated, um, I thought, well, I should listen to it a little bit more. So I've probably done like, you know, 30 books on all the top, you know, and took all these online courses and, you know, from Dream Chasers with Giovanni and George Mumford, you know, he did, um, 
is the Bulls and the Lakers. I want to I want to cut in while you're talking about this, and then also yeah. say, can you please get closer to your computer because well, your your microphone doesn't work. Like we can't hear it all, and you're sitting outside on a beach. Okay, so more there better. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Okay, but I want to I want to interrupt and my, talk my about head the is literally in the screen. This yes, is the best part. Can I say? Right. It's the best part about interviewing like a daughter father thing because <laughs> I was like I'm I'm not gonna say anything I you, well, know. you can't jump in she says stuff all the time in ours <laughs> George scoot up rah, 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 rah. I do okay, I do want? because I'm the producer side of it I'm the tech side of it and I have to you know how much harder I mean you get this Chris your job is so much harder if you can't just say something on the front end and some people don't get it and so you know, <laughs> I got you but what I want to say is another thing that was really interesting is like during this whole situation was the last dance came out with Michael Jordan. So good. So good. Right. So good. But then we're sitting there and every single up and then they start talking about working with George Mumford and like, and all of his story. And like, he has a great book. Bruce has done a couple of his courses, has worked with him one-on-one done that type of stuff. But it was like one of those situations where you see someone who's kind of like doing exactly what you're doing, except they're, being really successful with it and like have turned it into a business and you're like, wait a second. Like, isn't that exactly what we're doing with NFL players? Isn't that our whole model except we don't have a business behind it? And so we're sitting there, Bruce and I are like looking at each other like, oh, hi Jack. Small chance might be back. Okay. Love that. We love that. Jack's got to come back. Oh yes. Okay. Okay. What a dog. Sorry. Sorry, no, but Bruce and I are like sitting there looking at each other like, this is what we want to do. And I think it's really interesting because when you see somebody who's doing what you want to do, right, you can either get inspired by it and kind of, you're, you're going to get inspired by it, but you can get kind of put off by the idea. Yeah. Or one time somebody said something to me, uh, they're a photographer, right? And you're kind of like, oh, there's so many artsy fartsy people out there. Like, why would I want to go and pursue like an artistic career? Like there are so many people out there doing it. And they just looked at me and they're like, are you going to tell a med student not to become a doctor because there are already other doctors out there? And I was just like, oh, I'm such an idiot. Or not an idiot, but it's like you have to hear it in the right space. And ever since that, I'm like, screw thinking that you're like copying somebody else's idea because my experiences in my life and obviously Bruce and I's relationship are going to create an entirely different project or product than what George Mumford was doing with or with NBA players. Yeah. And I would also say, cause I tell my, I even tell my seventh graders this, I'm like, listen, like there's always going to be someone doing what you want to do out there. Um, but you might reach people that George Mumford would never reach in a exactly. billion years. You know what I mean? Well, we're we're in an entirely different sport. And we're like, wait, who's doing this in the NFL? Like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, well, well actually, are, now we do know. Now we have yeah. found them because we did research. But. Yeah, there are people. But, but you know, honestly, though, think about this. So, I mean, think of the um, assumption there, underlying limiting belief that's behind that thought process. That because there's other people in the, in the venue, then there's not space for me. And so somewhere, right, we were told in our Midwestern upbringings, oh, there's a whole bunch of really talented people out there and we shouldn't push the envelope and, you know, be happy, be who you are and all that kind of shit. And, you know, I'm just, that is complete bullshit. And somebody fed you a complete line of crap. You know, you have to, so that's a lot of the work that I do with players is, you know, digging in to, they have assumptions, you know, we call them assumptions, gremlins, underlying beliefs, limiting beliefs, whatever negative self-talk, all this kind of stuff. And they all came from somewhere. Aunt Myrtle told Billy 
oh, you're never going to make it in the NFL. Give First, what is up with you and Aunt Myrtle? This is the second time. We don't have an aunt or a grandma Myrtle, and you keep bringing her up. Like, well, I figured last night on the podcast, there, you were there talking aunt about. Myrtle, is there? I don't know. No. Anyway, so, but, so Emma had to get rid of her limiting belief that we couldn't get into this venue. And so it was pretty cool that way. So oh, I was yeah, just kind man. of pointing that out. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, have you guys, there's a book. I have a recommendation after reading on your website, like 29 books recommendation. Uh, it's called the Icarus deception um, by Seth Godin. And basically the idea is Love Seth Godin. so good. Um, but the basic idea is, you know, the whole fable of Icarus flying too close to the sun on wings of wax and he's like you know the idea is like don't shoot so high or your wings are gonna melt and you'll fall into the ocean but his whole point is like if icarus was flying too low he was gonna crash into the ocean too like you why not just shoot high you know in that sense yeah but here's the thing when you fly that close to the sun and the wings that will wax melt off you didn't know it but you have another set of wings beneath them that are heat proof and you just fly into that whole new dude that's like that's the thing about it. You have to stop being the person you are in order to be the person that you should become. Yeah. There's just no way. That's Joseph Campbell stuff. You know what I mean? And Joe was so big on that, that you have to give up the life you're in in order to lead the life that you're destined to have. There's just, and there's no getting around it. And so many people are so afraid to get too close to the sun because what if I fail? doesn't, you know, because every time you fail and regroup and go again, you're that much stronger and you're better and you're wiser and you're going to get there. And maybe it morphs into something else, but it doesn't matter. So I think it's all good. So we, we need to melt wax wings. And that's part of the mission. Melt the matte wax wings and you have to trust that there's something else coming in to put your place. And there will be, no matter what. All right. So anyway, the short story is then during the three month of COVID in the summer, I cranked all these courses. I was, I was on the Zoom, like I'm doing my life coaching. I got four Zooms a week with them. I got three classes. Like, man, that's about all I did. And then read books and all that stuff. So then I synthesized it all down. I created this, uh, what I call the eight steps or eight stages uh, to mindful awareness. Which we talk about in every episode of our podcast. So if you haven't checked those out, that's a little uh, free plug. Yes, we do one of them. We we just kind of talk about them. We do a quote in there just to kind of inspire folks. But it's more of a framework and it's it's kind of linear, but they all overlap. It just gives us a chance to kind of talk about all those things. And so I found when I went through all that stuff, there were a lot of things that I believed in already. Uh, and then I found a lot of overlapping, consistent themes. And then I found stuff that, you know, it made more sense for me to put it together the way I did. And so I really liked the framework. And then uh, between like George Mumford, Todd Herman, and two or three others, uh, uh, Pete Rosell and um, what's his, Dr. Gervais, you know, they work out of the Seattle Seahawks. And that, they've got a new course out in the book. It's great. And actually, I got to give a shout out to Kevin Hart. He wrote a little book called The Decision. It's fire. I mean, it's really good. And if you like, you know, he's MFing and dancing and laughing and taking phone calls from friends and shit. It's really wild. But it, the curriculum, it's overall is very comprehensive and it's very well done. So anyway, I took all that stuff and in about three months, just kept writing and writing and writing and writing, came up. It's kind of a 13-stage curriculum as part of it. Uh, and I, I really like it. So I'm still kind of working on doing that. So, but I'm feel really good about it. I think we can, you know, and then so we've had a couple more referrals through the NFL guys. And so I'm not really rushing to get too far with it, just kind of working into it and kind of test running it and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know how busy I really want to get anyway, because I have other things to do once in a while, but anyway, I like it. And so it's really fun and it's really gratifying and it's really hokey though. Like I'm big into quotes. I make, you know, little credit. It's not hokey. With all their little affirmations. Our on business them. is not hokey. Hold on. I have some right here. Okay. Yeah. Show them some of our. Hey, well, while you're, while you're getting those, I have to say, I heard on, I heard that you're like a whiteboard 
nerd or something yeah. like you're a guru of whiteboards. So I put one oh. up in my office and I stole a quote. You can kind of see it right there. Yeah. Okay. I stole a quote from, from, uh, your guys' website, which you stole from oh, Aristotle, which right. just says excellence is not an act, but a habit. And that was my Excellent. quote this week. I've been writing new quotes up there every week. Now, actually, Aristotle didn't actually say that. Oh. I had, in, in one part of in there, and then I corrected it later, and I, now I can't remember the name of the guy, but he was an author. So you're saying update the website. <laughs> well, everybody attributes it to Aristotle, <laughs> and then I was just actually looking for the quote, and then I found this little article that this guy wrote, and then he had always quoted it to Aristotle, and then he, wrote, and then he finally realized he found out that it was somebody else that actually said it, but it was based on his readings of Aristotle. Gotcha. Anyway, now I can't okay. remember but I'm it, crossing it, out. I'm putting, putting Bruce Kittle under it. Well, Yay, not, there we go. Yeah, anyway. All right, all right. So this is one of the cards that we make these cards for our players. I'll read it. But so if y'all haven't seen The Matrix, the first one, <laughs> it's my favorite movie ever. Um, but so this is the fight with uh, Neo and Mr. Anderson. And he goes, Mr. Anderson goes, er, wait, Neo is Mr. Anderson, right? Yeah, Agent Smith, I think. Agent Smith, that's what I'm trying to say. And so Agent Smith goes, why, Mr. Anderson? Why? Why do you persist? He goes, because I choose to. And then at the bottom, we have a quote that says, life is a choice. Each day, each movement, each breath, it is all a choice. We choose who we will be, what we, th what we will think, how we will live, what we will fight for, live for, and eventually die for. And if that's hokey to you, then you find your own <laughs> little way to get through life because I'm going to stay hokey and I like what we're doing. But then we have these little cards. And we no, laminate I love, them. I love the combo of like ancient wisdom with pop culture. And I, th I think it's super effective, honestly. And Thank just you. even that right there. I mean, I'm like, dude, that's how you reach anybody. Because people are like, oh, yeah, I know the Matrix. And then you're like, yeah. And then here's a quote from some like ancient stoic or something. Yeah, and they all dovetail uh, pretty good. So Anyway, I don't know if you want me to get, you want me to do the alter ego thing and then how that went or what we do. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm curious too, because do you look back on when you were in different teams, like when you were in football or wrestling or Emma, when you were in volleyball, do you look back and think like, oh, I didn't know about alter ego and I wasn't doing it intentionally, but I was doing it. I'm going to jump in because my answer is super short. I had no idea and I wish that I did, but like, I just... I didn't have any concept of it, but now obviously going through this process and, you know, Bruce and I kind of like refining it and talking about it all the time. Um, I feel that like I have been trying to like adapt my alter egos in like, like, how do I do this with business? How do I do this in my relationships? And like having that because I don't compete anymore, you know? And so like, <laughs> I don't really need an alter ego. I mean, like I love to like get crazy in the gym, you know, like take some pre-workout and just go wild. But at the same time, it's like, it's, it's just a different, I don't need an alter ego to do that. Like I'd like to just be in myself when I do that. But like when I'm sitting down to do like business or I have to be a CEO, I'm the president of Thunderbird BT dubs. So like when I think about that and how my company, right, Thunderbird performance, I hired Bruce as my VP. He's a, he's a baller VP. I'm on thin ice though. I, gotta, I, gotta <laughs> I always I'm going to fire him. <laughs> but um, but like when I think about that, like, what are we doing? Like, how are we growing? What are we like? I, I lay awake at night thinking about that and I have to get up the next day and be like, okay, CEO, like what, what are the president moves? And for me as somebody who didn't go to business school and who didn't 
like take any entrepreneurial classes or like website design. Like I kind of dicked around in that, like with that in college, but like not really. Like a lot of what I do is like YouTube videos and figuring it out for myself. And it's like, I have to think about the type of energy that I want to channel. So I don't really do that in sports, but as business and entrepreneurial things, like I have to think about that really hard. Yeah. What about you, Bruce? Uh, not, I never called it an alter ego. So we certainly did kind of mental prep and you visualize and do all that kind of stuff, especially at Iowa. And then, you know, I, I wrestled at Iowa too, you know, so I had years with Dan Gable, you know, and, I, and he was a guy that his mental thing, and he never would call it an alter ego too, but, he, you know, he talked about getting to that place you know, when nobody wants to be on the mat with you, you know what I mean? And, and it was really true. Like guys were like totally different human beings. And then man, you'd walk in that Iowa wrestling room for practice and it was like, freaking fist her out you know i mean it's like a death match and same thing when those dudes took the mat you know i mean gable had him in a place where like they were caged or whatever and he knew how to get people and it's really an art because he i mean because he did it himself for so many years and so so i got exposed to all that kind of but we never thought of it the same way um because it's a little bit different because you know i think the notion and this is even disputed currently in like the metal you know prep field so like george mumford doesn't believe in alter egos um, you know, because he, he, he would describe that uh, as kind of faking it till you make it. And he, because he, in his book, he talks repeatedly, like, you're, this, you're the same person that's going to be at the parade parade. And so and he talks about this as being in alignment. So he has his five truths. And so, but you have to live within alignment, which I totally agree with. But I don't really agree with him that, you know, Bruce Kittle's that NBA player, that it has to be Bruce Kittle in alignment. I don't believe in that. And I don't think it's faking it because you embody a different personality. And the belief is that it creates a level of cognitive dissonance between any of your limiting beliefs about who Bruce Kittle is. And whatever you created, that doesn't have, that thing on the free throw line is whoever it is, like George's joker. That joker doesn't have to answer to anything that George Kittle has ever told about any limitation or any failure he ever had. Lean forward. Oh, the joker is free to just completely kick your ass and so that's what the alter ego does so it creates this cognitive dissonance so the backpack of bullshit that we carry around with us that limit us and we can't oh i can't do that i'm not quite good enough or i missed the last free throw joker didn't miss the last free throw you know whatever it is and so when you create that thing so like for me i like i'm professionally an extrovert but socially more than introvert to some extent like you go to a party right i tend to get two beers sit over in the corner with the guys drinking tequila and don't really you know, that's as far as I get. I won't work the room, shake hands, do all that. Partly because I have to really work at remembering names and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, so I went in going through this, I decided I have to be intentional about not doing that because in my mind, I'm telling, oh, I don't remember names. Oh, I'm not very good. That's all bullshit. It's all limiting beliefs. And I, you know, the energy that we project, we create our reality. I totally believe that. So I had to change the rules around that. And so I created a social kind of alter ego for me is Jack Black. So remember, I think it was, is it the movie, The Holiday? Is that the one where they switch houses, you know, from yeah. LA? Okay, and then he falls in love with whoever comes from England and all that. But in that one, you know, so Jack, like he's got some weird characters, but in that one, he's like super bubbly, social, really friendly, you know, he walks in, he's really kind to everybody and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, okay, I don't need to be a dickhead. I don't, that's not who I really, I mean, like sometimes I don't, like, you know, sometimes I prefer not to be around too many people, but there are times when I need to do that. So like we'd be in a car driving to something like that and then I'd go, dad, and I'd go, yeah, I'm Jack Black. <laughs> and she'd be like pimping me, you know, like kind of saying, okay, don't leave Bruce in the car. You're going to be Jack uh, It's not even like, and sometimes it's not even in the car. It's like, 
Don't let him we'll be at house. someplace and I'll go up and like put my hand on his back on his back and be like, like you Bruce, you, are you BK right now or are you Jack Black? Like who who are you? And he'll be like, Abba, Abba. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, you know what? It's really good though because it literally it is just an attitude and a mindset. And so then I can activate Jack, you know, and I go through that little process and I can shift it. And it's like, who cares if I remember what, or just go around, be kind to people and figure it out, you know, and it's all good. So anyway, sure. so the alter ego. So what I did is, so after going through all those courses, and then I would still say it comes back, Todd Herman's book on the alter ego fact really is the, I think, the core, you know, volume on that. Um, and then took some of his stuff that I have and kind of reworked it and tweaked it and developed that into, but that's like, that's only, I mean, in my 13 steps, that's like step 10 or 11. You know what I mean? The, but that's way down the line once you're working in the mental awareness stuff. So because there's a lot of background work to do, shadow work, and negative self-talk and developing information. And all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I was curious, like you keep mentioning like ditching limiting beliefs. How do you get your athletes to, you know, leave the, that's so much easier said than done too. It's just like, you know, yeah. you can tell someone a million times, like you're amazing. You're super good at this, but unless they actually believe it. Yeah. So there's a structure so that my belief system is that you know so you have thoughts and beliefs and those thoughts and beliefs create your emotions and then emotions create the action so those thoughts and beliefs that are there about you know i missed that free throw when i was in eighth grade and I, i'm never going to make another under pressure free throw whatever that is and so when we when i first start working with an athlete i've got an intake form uh and then we go and then one of the first things we do is that we work on negative self-talk and limiting beliefs and so i've got two or three things that we have them do and it's you know, and so some, you know, and I've lost some guys that they weren't interested in all that much work because it's, it is a lot of work. Uh, but uh, so we do with that and they have to really dig and go down and say, okay, what am I really telling myself? And so when we look at an action, then we can backdrop it. Well, what emotions were you feeling that led to that? And then we talk about that emotion and then what's the thought pattern behind that? And if you can identify the thought pattern or the belief system, well, then it, Aunt Myrtle told me I'd never be good at basketball, whatever it is. Okay. I love Myrtle, whoever. But anyway, you know what I'm saying? And then, so, and it's not so much finding the source. Sometimes there is a source. And so sometimes it, it might've been a coach in ninth grade. You know, it happens all the time, Chris, you know, that's like- I hope it wasn't know, when, me in ninth no, grade. No, it wasn't. But like, <laughs> you know, when I was at the, when I was at the, the high school jobs I've had where I've gotten to work with junior high coaches, I always tell them, try to get people to get better, have a ton of fun, make sure they come out next year. Yeah. Right? Don't, don't lose anybody. Cause we don't yeah. really care in sixth, seventh and eighth grade if we win yeah. or not, right? It's about have fun, affirm them, love them. That's all it's about. That was so much my philosophy when I was doing that for a few years. I was like, man, let's just have a good time. Let's have kids feel good about themselves and like this sport, you know? Like I always rated my, you know, junior high and middle school coaches based on the number of percentage of guys that came out the next year from that team. Yeah. So if we had a hundred percent from that, then I think the guy did a great job. Yeah. Or the woman, you know, so whatever it is. So, um, Anyway, so where were we? I was just rambling on there. So anyway, so the, the, the so if we can identify, so then what we do is we make them write out every single one of the negative beliefs, uh, limiting beliefs that they have, and then we got to dig around where they came from and all that, and then we rewrite. We got a process with visualization and rewrite them into positive affirmations, specifically addressing the negative self-talk, and that that's a, a lot of work in there because you really have to unpack what they're thinking, where it came from, how it impacts them, and really help them understand where it all fits in. But like, if you can go back far enough, right? It's just like, you know, like one brick is out of alignment in the foundation. If you can go back and pull it out, clean it off, remotor it, put it back in, the house is good, right? So it's kind of the same thing. And a lot of times it's, 
there's only like two or three of them that are really deep and that's really what's messing with them. And then once you spin them, so then we work in the deposit reframes and then we do a whole nother exercise on, so then we do goal setting on what they, what they're not performing at the level they want. And once we write out those goals, then we write affirmations for achieving those. So then you've got your negative self-talk spin positives and you got your affirmations to achieve goals. And then in your med, this is where the meditation yoga comes in. So I try to get all of them to yoga. Some do more than others. I try to get them all of them to do meditation because and Emma's the greatest, and she's always telling us, but like, if you don't practice it right, your breath work, in a moment of crisis, when you need to center, when you need to reset, you won't have the power. It's a superpower, but you got to practice the superpower. It's not like Superman just flew, you don't really did, but for us, like, we're not that, you know? So, and that's what we work on. And so now they get the, and so the little cards I do, right? Then we, we put them everywhere, and they list them. And my, so normally most of my guys, what we recommend they do is like in the morning, sorry, in the morning, they should read through all of their affirmations either before or after the meditation. I like it, I like it before. Do their meditation and then close their meditation out with the visualization on at least one or two. So they're visualizing whatever that affirmation talked about. So they got to see it in their mind over and over and over. Because again, we create our reality by the energy that we project and vision in our mind. So if you want to, whatever it is, you have to see it over and over so much that you'll find it so anyway, okay, I want to I want to add something in that I, I think like something that we always hear from our athletes with is my am I echoey? Does that sound okay? No, you sound okay. yeah. You sound amazing. Oh, thank you. Okay, so something that we always hear from not just athletes but like other clients and like even Hidden Pearls podcast people will like message in and talk about this like you know how do I heal this? How do I heal that? And something that I am like so. I just believe in it so much. And I think Bruce, he always uses a cave example, but people aren't broken. Like we're not broken. I mean, maybe, maybe we're all a little messed up, right? Who's not, but yeah, we raise in our hands. <laughs> um, but like, you can't go in and cut that out. You know what I mean? That the way to heal is not by like, if something's wrong with my arm, I'm not going to cut it off. Or like if something's wrong with my psyche, right? Like if something is wrong with this childhood memory and I have this loop, this pattern, this karmic shit that I am just running around in and I can't get past it, cutting that out of my life and pretending that I wasn't five or that I didn't go through high school or that I didn't have traumatic experiences, that's not going to heal me. You know, and that, and the worst part about it is that some people go into that thinking that's how they're going to heal it. But those challenges and those traumas as like terrible as things can be those are where all your strength and your lessons and the wisdom is going to come from and so something that we really try to focus on is like people think that they're so broken that they have to just cut this out and like it, it they get really rigid about it and like very structured and it's like yo you gotta soften because at the end of the day like your body doesn't want to be tense like your nervous system doesn't want to be stressed. Your body doesn't want to be inflamed. You don't want to be injured. And your body, and really, if you learn how to listen to it, knows how to heal itself. And so Bruce always talks about, I'm going to let you tell this story, Bruce, but like going into the cave with a flashlight. And we always say, Bruce is like your guide through the jungle. And sometimes he has to use, and we try not to use a machete. Um, sometimes we have to use a torch when we go in and light the way. But, um, but yeah, tell him, Bruce. Well, I mean, it's Tell really, really loud so that everybody can hear you. Okay. So, but I think the point that you're saying though, some of this negative stuff that we have, we have the idea that we're going to exclude it, but what you resist persists, right? And that trauma is there, like Emmy says. And so 
I think it's all about embracing it. Because, you know, you have to, the obstacle is the way. I mean, there's just no doubt. So uh, what's his name? Ryan something. Ryan Holiday. Holiday. Yeah, the big stoic dude. And I love his stuff. He does a great job. Um, I think he's kind of over-marketing a little bit, but that's another thing. Can't blame him for monetizing, right? But anyway, uh, uh, but I uh, sure like his stuff. But the, I think The Obstacle is Away, and it's a great book. And uh, But it's that belief system. So it's like, you know, and I, I don't know where I heard this, but, you know, all those things are like a big house, right, with rooms in it. And some of those experiences we shut in the room. And then it's just in that dark room, but it doesn't just sit there, right? It starts, you know, the walls start to decay. Bad things start to happen and all that kind of stuff. And you got to go in. And, and that's Joseph Campbell as well, right? He always says, you know, the cave that you fear to enter holds all of the things you want in life. And it's really true. And so it's, you, you have to open that door. You have to embrace what you're afraid of. You have to, whatever that obstacle is, it is the most focal and direct point to achieving what you want to achieve. And so when I hear that from guys like I'm terrified of this or this or that or whatever, then, oh, hey, there's Jan. All right. She goes, wait, 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 wait. Does Bruce not have a shirt on? <laughs> I'm going to get a call about that. Anyway, uh, and so that's where we go with it. And so just, and, and you just have to like, you just overlove it until it becomes, then you, once you integrate it back in. Overlove it. That's, that's it. You got to love it. Right. And then you integrate it back into your whole being. And once it's integrated, then you're all healed up. You can take the mask off that you were wearing in order to protect that, right? And now you can be your authentic self. And so as we reach, you know, the confidence to become our authentic self, I mean, that's the map thing is, right? We, what do we do? We help, oh yeah, uh, we help people mindfully discover and express their most authentic self. I mean, that's really the heart of it. And so that's what we're trying but to like do. But so like the cool thing about this is though, like in, in the whole, like alter ego state and all the things, like your healing process doesn't have to be complete for you to be great. And I think that's what's super cool about the whole alter ego is thing because like for George, like, yeah, George is dealing with other stuff. You know, like this whole injury brings up a bunch of stuff for him. And, you know, like, injury is hard because now we can't go out and perform. But let's say like, you know, you're dealing with something at home or like in a relationship, like that is baggage and that's heavy stuff. And you can't pretend that that's not there. But what you can do with your alter ego is like when George is like, all right, I'm gonna step on. I'm gonna be the Joker. Like you think the Joker gives a shit about romantic issues. Like you think he's really worrying about what other people think about him. Like you think any of that stuff is clouding his head when he's going to go out and create that chaos. Like absolutely not. Or like, I always love like Kobe Bryant and the black Mamba, like talk about an instinctual creature who's just going to go out and like wreck havoc. You know, like yeah. it's so great because you can be this healing being and this kind of sensual energy that needs to work on that. And you can still go out and do incredibly great things if you know how to turn it on and turn it off. Yeah. No, Just that's yourself up. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. I feel like I'm I got a chance like this is this what your guys like Thanksgiving dinner is like? Is this what you guys talk about? This is every day, dude. This is literally every day. Like, Bruce will text me and be like, How much time you got? And I'm like, Oh, let's go there, man. I got a whiteboard. Like, what's up? I got a notebook. I just bought a new journal today. That's Bruce. I meant to say that I bought a new journal today. I pulled up another one. So let me ask you this, Bruce, okay. just as uh as a dad, and this is something I've always looked up to you about because I could just tell. I was like, when we coached together, I could just tell, like, obviously George looked up to you and Emma, obviously she still wants to work with you and all that, make you vice president, which is hilarious. Um, but like, when did you start kind of introducing 
these conversations and the goal setting and making them sit in a tent quietly? Like when, when did that come about? Well, after they were walking probably. <laughs> I mean, I don't know when we started getting, when they started getting into organized sports Yeah, and then it was kind of old enough. Like once we got past, you know, non totally non-competitive, but you know, you kind of get into it, you know, helping them, um, you know, visualize and start to see things. So, I mean, for sure, George is probably fifth grade. Yeah. You know, I mean, that we were thinking about, you know, see the ball, be the ball, all that kind of stuff. And, or, you know, kind of below this, you know, see it in your mind first and, and be it, you know, become it, all that kind of stuff. So see it, believe it, be it. And those, those three terms that we talked about for years. Yeah. Well, and it seems like you do it in such a positive way where, you know, I'm all sorts of dads want what's best for their kids, you know, and want them to be able to be competitive in sports and stuff like that. But the way you did it was, it always just seemed so calm and but also like the message you're sending is a direct message where it's like, Hey, like try these things, but you're doing it in like a very calm way. You know, it's more like, um, I don't know if it's like a cake mix, you know, and you just put in a little bit more water or milk or like one extra egg, but you're still blending it. You can't really see the difference. Yeah. It's like the same thing. I think sometimes people, you know, cause one, you got to lead with love and make sure that you are whoever it is you're meeting them where they are, right? Because you can't take them faster anywhere than they're ready to go. You know, that whole thing about when the student's ready, the teacher will appear and all that kind of stuff. And people are just going to keep getting the same lessons over and over until they kind of figure that one out. So all you can do is try to assess kind of where they're at, what they're ready for, and then just, you know, throw small doses in. And sometimes it sticks, sometimes it doesn't. It might take a year, two years or three years. But once they've heard it consistently and they kind of start, and they figure it out themselves, then they start to integrate it a little bit. So you just, it's not like you can't take a big ranch and force somebody to all of a sudden do something. Good. Doesn't work yeah. that and but I think the other thing adding on that, like, cause I heard it obviously a bunch from Bruce and everything, but sometimes it took an outside source for me to understand these things. And really like my first yoga teacher training, like it's like all of these like massive concepts that Bruce had been like throwing around and whatever to hear it from somebody else and then to be reading, reading about like the yoga sutras and like studying this ancient text and stuff. I'm like, yo, Bruce knew what he was talking about. I was like, <laughs> what? You know what I, Like I knew like it had stuff, but then you hear it from like another source. And I think that's the other thing. Like, you know, cause you can tell somebody something a hundred times like, yo, if you do this, just like, if you pet that dog, you're going to get bit, you know, but like you have to have the experience. And I think that Bruce was so great like to let us kind of make those mistakes and was always so like you know what like let okay you did this dumb thing like let's let's learn from it and i think that was another kind of cherry on top of the like you know all of this stuff and yeah. all the cards and all of the other things that he would give us but was like okay like that was your decision now what are we going to do with it so it's a lesson that is one. Well, and, and as a dad, you're like, everything's a lesson, you know, like there's lessons all around us all of the time. And are, if you're open to learning those lessons, you're going to learn a lot. Right. That's the whole, and honestly, that's the whole point of being mindful, right? I mean, first stage of a mindful athlete or is conscious awareness. Like if you're paying attention and seeing things, you realize that all of life is just an instructor. And so if you're not taking it as either good or bad, you're living in an equanimity and not putting, you know, kind of connotations on things and you can just see it 
understand how am I responding to this? Why do I feel that? And remembering like feelings are just feelings, right? They're not you. And you, you can work through the feelings pass. And so then why, why do I have this feeling? Well, because I think X, Y, Z. Well, then do I need to change my thoughts? So the more mentally aware we can be of all those pieces, right? I mean, then that's where the whole thing starts. If you're paying attention, there's so much just nonstop to learn about our responses to things, what's going on in our lives, all that kind of thing. So anyway, that was a really good example. I mean, nice job. Way yeah. to pull that in. Cool, man. Yeah. Well, one last thing just to kind of wrap up here. Um, this right behind me, Colorado 14ers. Yes, sir. You are the first person I have heard I heard talk about that. Um, and then long story. Okay, please tell this story. I think this story is hilarious. <laughs> well, I think your first one, I don't know if it was your first one, but at least that was I remember, right? We'd talk, been talking about it, talking about it. And then when you're still at West, you and these guys were going to jump in the car and drive out. And I, I kind of remember saying, you know, I'm usually on site for three days before I climb because <laughs> I, I, the altitude sickness will get you if you're not kind of getting used to the altitude. So you guys drive straight out. We did. Next, Overnight. Next, right. And the next morning, then you do the climb. And you can tell the rest of the story from there. Cause and they made it to the top and I didn't. It was yeah. the biggest, like, imagine uh, whatever, however old I was, probably like 21, 22 college yeah. guy out with his friends and then having to put my ego aside and just sit there in that little hut on Long's Peak as they all wait, made. wait, wait. First peak you did was Long's Peak. I mean, that's stupid. what we did too, but like, <laughs> we did that too, but like Bruce, we had been in, you know, we had Bruce, like, you know, we yeah. didn't, we had like 40 year old Bruce, like leading the way. No, like, like, I'm going up this mountain, you better <laughs> not. I was like, yeah, you okay. Had, you made it up to the keyhole. Yeah, I made it to the keyhole. That's right. where I made it too. Hey, well, we, high five. Well, we made it past, and then Emma's wearing these sweats with these little bad sneakers. Oh, dumb. With, then, I was wearing the Then we got on the ledges outfit. right on the, around the keyhole, and it was like, you're, and I just like, uh, we, I'm not doing this. She just was too little. I'm like looking really. over the edge. I'm like, oh, do people actually fall off? Like how many people die? I'm like 13. And I was like, right. no concept of it. I was like, I think I'm actually pretty scared, mom. And she's like, okay. She's like, that's it. Let's go. We are out of here. Well, so Long's Peak is actually the most deadly one. And it's because right. of, it's not the hardest technically or anything like that, right. but it's exactly what we're talking about where, you know, it's one near the front range. So people who have no experience whatsoever, just drive out there overnight from Iowa mm -hmm. and decide they're going to climb up it. Let's go climb Long's. And Let's go it's Long's. And it's not rated, not rated super tough. You know, it's like a three, you know, so there's like yeah. two. So it's like, it's not super hard, but it's hard enough. And it's a, it know, the other thing is it's long. And then if there's any weather whatsoever, and then people, if you don't start early enough, because the ledges and then the trough, it's, I think the trough is really dangerous because George and I, we had a really hard time because when we got it, the summer melt was still on. And it was like, if you went over too far, it was really wet. Yeah. And it was like, we did that a little bit and then we started to slip and we had to get back over in the, free rock you know and climb it and i was like i kind of screwed because this then slides down and it just goes off a ledge i mean like there ain't no getting back on that and that thing is really tricky so i think you know it's not like you're right super techie you don't need you know ropes and all that shit but there's some challenges to that thing so the narrows are tough i mean it's it's a legit climb and i know people poo poo it and all that shit but yeah i such a great climb but i also just will never forget coming down it <laughs> so <laughs> far Ada. your knees i have i'm like 13 and i'm like my knees are aching like <laughs> what is going like my your entire body is like so sore the yeah. last five miles are just uh, they're just brutal 
Yeah. It's, it's rough. Well, and now I've done a handful and I've done ones that are just as hard as longs if, you know, they're, yeah. but I haven't gone back up longs. And it's I, the let's only- go back up longs. Okay, let's go I'm back in. up longs. I'm in with you guys. Uh, but it's the only it's the only one I can see from my house. So it like mocks me every day when I walk outside. Oh, that's just sitting over there going, Yo, Chris, dog, come on, dog. What up, hey, dog? Remember hey. when all your friends made it and you didn't? Yeah. Hey, here's <laughs> the one you gotta think about. Last week on our yeah. podcast, we did Chris Long. He's got the yeah. Chris Long Foundation, and we did Water Boys. Yeah. And so for their fundraiser, because they work in Tanzania, they do a climb of Kilimanjaro every I would love so, that. Oh, and I don't know if they're going to do, they're still, I don't, they're not planning on a 21 unless it really clears up, uh, but they are planning the 22 climb. Yeah, yeah. So for sure. A whole so lot of things might... are falling, but I have, okay. my buddy went up it. Yeah. Actually, you know what, man? Here's the connections, Bruce. You yeah. guys tell me about 14ers, okay? I fail on longs. And then I come back out. Getting though. to the keyhole is not failing. It's okay. <laughs> but I, I yeah. didn't fail on longs. You didn't fail on longs. I call it do it again. Fail is first attempt in learning. Okay. So that's what I tell my students. All right. And we failed. We failed fast. <laughs> so I go back, I come back and I do some 14ers. And then I take my friend Calvin out here to hike his first 14er. We do Elbert and Massive. Nice. And then he, that up. same summer, he goes out and climbs Mount Kilimanjaro and takes this picture. Wow. And then he decides he's going to climb all of them. And that like weird interconnectedness is because you told me about 14ers. So there we go. There you go. Ripple effect. <laughs> Life's nothing but a lesson, right? Grandma yeah, Willow over here. Yeah. yeah. So Actually, Chris, fun. the next uh, 14er that Bruce and I really have our eyes on is Mount of the Holy Cross. <sighs> That's on my bucket list for sure. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why I haven't done it yet, but. That's what we I really did, want to do. I did the 13er that's across from the cross because I was at George and then we'd done one the day before and he was too tired. So don't, don't tell anybody this, but he was like 13 or something. I left him in the truck because he was just whining and crying. I said, fine, don't drive off. Here's the keys. Leave the windows down. Go to sleep. See ya. And I left, like, I left for six hours and, <laughs> and I, so I climb up the back of the 13er and it was gorgeous. It, yeah. But. Because the Mount of the Holy Cross, it's super long. It's like a, you know, twelve miles up. Because you and, and it's got the huge dip going in, so it's like yeah. climbing two peaks. It's really brutal. And can um, you imagine? So you go down a thousand feet to start. You yeah. go up the mountain, and then you right. come back, and you have to climb that thousand feet back to your car. That would be rough. Just, That's oh, like right. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Super harsh. Super harsh that way. Bruce, what was the last one that we did when we took Dane? Oh, the super easy one. Yeah. All right, oh. but. Yeah, we yeah. went out. It's like right around Fair Play, Colorado. But yeah. we went out and was Bruce is like, all right, we had to go out. Jan had like a photo project on like a horse ranch somewhere. It was so sick. Yeah. But so we go out there and we're like south of Breckenridge. And um, so we're going to do this really easy one. And like we're coming off of like Bruce doesn't pick easy ones. Like the ones that we do are like and when we do do easy ones, instead of coming back down the way that we came, we decided to hike down the back and then circle around the entire mountain. What was supposed to be a six mile hike down, like super easy, yes. turned into 13 and we're like hiking through it. bear territory. It was sketch That's amazing. hail. Um, but so this last one that we do, we go up it and there's still like, look at him laugh. <laughs> there's still like a decent amount of snow, right? This one wasn't sketchy at all though. It was great. You're just like hiking great. up. And this is the first time that I took my dog, Dane. And so Dane's about like 70 pounds. He's like a boxer, hound type mixed dog, but has never done anything like this. So we go out, we stay for a couple of days 
and it's like super, um, there's this huge snowy patch. And actually going up with Dane was super great because I put this like really great harness on him. And then I just strapped him onto my backpack and he pulled me up <laughs> like just he was so great. He just pulled me up these super hard patches and was like just gripping in and was like, he was so, so proud of him. That's like that. an adventure strategy. You just tie to another yes. person. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I will. Like I always, I'm very, now that I think about 14 ers I really want to figure out more to do with him because like, at least while he's like still young enough to keep doing this. Um, but me, me so or Dan, uh, <laughs> ooh, I'll let the, I'll yeah. let the listeners guess. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but on the way back down, right? So there's this whole like snow shelf that you have to literally like, you're like arm in, you're like punching into the snow to like create your footholds and then you step up and it's like, it's this whole thing. But on the way down, we walk by and there's like, some people are like walking along the ridge line and then going back down the path that you kind of make up, right? Like just kind of like being really careful. And then there's this whole other group of people, right? Where you like, you kind of go off to the other side and there's like this lip and you just, strap like your wind jacket around your butt you like tie it on and they're sledding down and it's like a straight shot and so we're like screw it right whatever it's like the switchback like this and so you go down like over three switchbacks and you just skip the whole thing and you just go straight down yeah you don't even have to walk it that's the best right. part it's it a little great. bit it, i mean it wasn't super sketch but like it was right on the edge <laughs> so right so bruce and jan go down first because i'm like i gotta i gotta hang on to dane like i don't know maybe i should just walk down it because i'm like super worried about him so they go down and they like totally make it. Everything's fine. I was like, okay, well, I can't hold on to Dane. He's like too big for me to hold. So I just let him off. And I was like, I was like, all right, bro, like good luck. And he takes like two big jumps, runs and just leaps off of the ledge. And he <laughs> makes it like halfway down, just like barreling down the entire mountain. I don't think I've ever been so proud of my dog in my entire life. Like I still, and then I get on and like slid down, but it was like, there are some serious adventures to be had out in Colorado. There are. There's too many. It's like almost overwhelming. There's so much I want to do and just haven't had time to do yet. Oh, yeah. It's good. crazy. But anyways, guys, I want to, okay. we should wrap it there. A dog <laughs> carrying you down the hill. Uh, thank yes. you guys for coming on the podcast. It was really right. a pleasure having you. And, and like I said, I, I have really been enjoying Hidden Pearls and, and everything you guys are about. Honestly, you're just putting good vibes out there and you know spreading goodness and at the end of the day that's my goal at at my core value is just how can i spread goodness to other people and i think you guys really represent that and i learned i've learned that a lot from you um so well, well we hidden you pearls very much, chris thank you man yeah hidden pearls wouldn't be a i mean it, it might have it would have found its way but like you guys it wouldn't have, still have crushed it that's i'm yeah, pretty but, sure it would have sure? found its way, but you made, you were the bridge to making it, it happen. So you like all the gear that we have here, like, yeah, yeah. You would have been <laughs> the, the switchback and instead you were Dane, you made us Dane and we got to jump off. <laughs> you, That's seriously, awesome. You made this process like so fun and I t like so much credit to you. So oh, thank well, you. Well, thank you so much. All right, man, um, when we get out of COVID, we'll, uh, we'll get to Colorado. Heck yeah. Please yeah. let me and know. And we'll redo Long's Peak. I'm still scared. I'm not going to lie but I can do it. Okay. We'll alter ego it. We'll alter ego it. And then we'll get up that damn thing. Yeah. I'll be a cliffhanger. Sylvester Stallone. There you go. Um, yeah. Where can people find your guys stuff just real quick before we let them go? Um, you can go to thunderbirdperformance.com. Um, so that has all of our website. It has our podcast stuff. It has all the map. It has yoga. It actually has a bunch of free yoga stuff on it too. So if you ever want to look at that, um, we're Hidden Pearls Podcast on Instagram or Thunderbird Performance on Instagram. I'm at ekittle. 
Bruce is at Coach Kittle 61 on Instagram. We're on Twitter, but uh, that's my CEO hat. That's like not quite put on yet. I, I'm learning how to use Twitter. So you can follow us on that. We're uh, Hidden Pearls Pod, I think, on um, Twitter. But um, but yeah, if you ever like, also a little plug, if uh, we're always looking for, so obviously we're about halfway through or a little past the um, halfway point of the NFL season. But we want to continue doing this and like think about doing things in the off season. So if there's like a charity or an organization or something that like any of y'all's listeners like, because our mission with Hidden Pearls is to um, share the untold stories of people who are impacted by social and environmental injustices. And so obviously this is an environmentally aware podcast. And so if there's anything like a foundation or an organization that y'all think we need to highlight or shed some light on, like, please you can message us at info at Thunderbird Performance and we're always looking for just different ideas um, and ways to bring light and like just shed, you know, also donate money, but also raise awareness around. So yeah, I love that about your show for sure. But see, Bruce, do you see she's a pro at that? She's really you know, good. She's really good at that. I was like, hey, where, are you, where can we find you? And she's just like, bam, bam, bam. <laughs> so, all right, guys, well, we'll get back yeah. at you at some point. We'll do a Thanks, podcast man. live from a 14er. Hey, dude, I just got a mobile setup. So like, I'm ready. I, I got Sweet. it. I got it. I got us. All right, Bruce, keep scuba diving, dude. All right, man. See you guys. Thank All you. Right. All right. Bye, bye, Chris. Thank you. Bye. bye.